This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Senator John Barrasso will be with us. He's a doctor. That'll help. He's also a legislator. That'll help because we got to find out what's happening with the coronavirus aid package. America needs it. I mean, we're just under a million jobless claims again, 860,000. The market hates that. Uh, we're down 367 points. And there's an aid package that's got to sustain people because these cities aren't opening up. The unemployment's drying up. The PPP money is drying up. And I know we're in a $3 trillion deficit. I get it. But you cannot make the American people pay for that when you're not letting them work. When you have 25% capacity indoors in two weeks in New York. And in California, not only that, you have these forests burning up. Acres and acres of land, keeping people away from those jobs. And, of course, the gyms and the restaurants in California, in Oregon, also opening up very slowly. They've lost, we've lost 5 million acres of land. 17,000 firefighters are fighting this. And it is just a, na- a, a natural disaster, which seems to be arson-related in some places, if you're listening to some of these reports. So we'll do that. We'll follow the president. The president today is going to be doing something important. He's going to go to a history conference at the National Archives. We've got to get those museums open. I know I was in Washington. It is dead, and that's a problem. And then the president's going to be going over to Wisconsin, a state he wants to win again. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. So as we progressed, we came up with more and more. The doctors came up with more and more answers. They answered all the questions that chancellors and presidents had. The bottom line is we allow our student-athletes to get back out on the field and play, and and that's what they love to do. Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez, who used to be a coach there, the football coach, where where, where there is parents, players, and presidents will, there seems to be a way. Big Ten football decides to play. Joining the ACC and SEC and other conferences. College basketball commits to a start date, a later start date, but they'll play. Is it time to get the Pac-12 as well in the liberal West Coast? Let them follow suit and give America, these players, and the students, and the fans some sense of normalcy. Number two. If you're asking me, when is it going to be generally available to the American public so we can begin to take advantage of vaccine to get back to our regular life, I think we're probably looking at late second quarter, third quarter, 2021. I think he made a mistake when he said that. It's just incorrect information. I think he got the message maybe confused. <laughs> COVID confusion with the Trump team. A vaccine imminent. Uh, plans to place. Uh, plans are in place to get it to everybody. Politics has no place there. How the Harris-Biden team have it all backwards, along with a bottom-up push for another rescue plan, which I mentioned, for suffering Americans that might just lose steam, might just steamroll, I should say, Nancy Pelosi. I'll explain. Number one. Overall, um, um, we can likely push Vice President Biden in a more progressive uh, direction. 
across policy issues. Really nice, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. 2020, forget the polls. Look at the vote. Look at how people are voting. Yet another state commits to mailing every resident a ballot unrequested. Wisconsin, excuse me, Vermont, thank you. As both candidates make it clear, they have two different approaches to winning. One wants to work, Donald Trump, and the other one wants to kind of hide. But is Joe also hiding his agenda? And as you just heard AOC, let the lefty truth fly. Now, remember, we told you about a month ago, there was another member of the squad who came out and said, Joe Biden has already moved to the left on some issues. He seems very open to a lot of our agenda. Really? That is exactly what Donald Trump wants, the truth behind what a Biden presidency will be. Because this, they're speaking the truth. They would not be silent. Bernie Sanders would not be helping, offering advice publicly, helping him behind the scenes, telling its people to get in line behind Joe if they weren't promised something. And that's the key. Donald Trump has got to get this unveiled, unlocked. Have Joe Biden guarantee that he is not going to take uh, 30 million illegal aliens and give them citizenship. He's got a guarantee he's not going to take down that wall. He's got a guarantee that he is not going to destroy oil and gas and fracking. And how do you do that? You gradually choke it to death. He already says all fossil fuels done by 2035. What does that mean for 2021? This is the thing that President Trump has to do if he wants to be President Trump after November 3rd, or I should say after the inauguration in January. So this is what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said yesterday in Washington. Cut to. Right now, what is most important is to make sure that we ensure a Democratic victory in November and that we continue to push Vice President Biden um, on Issues from marijuana to climate change to um, to foreign policy and making sure that we continue to fight for a progressive agenda in, in our future. I think overall, um, um, we can likely push Vice President Biden in a more progressive uh, direction across policy issues. There you go. She says he's kind of stubborn on health care, but everything else, we feel like we really got something. After all, he liked a lot of the new Green Deal. You know, so that's making a lot of the cows very nervous because they want to get rid of all of them because they have that methane gas problem, which we'll discuss at a later time. Farmers know it. Maybe farmers are listening want to call in. So Carl Rove hears this. He's a strategist. He's ahead of his time. Talked about this last night, cut three. She is saying what a lot in the progressive left wing, let's do the fringe of the Democratic Party believe, and they got a lot of evidence to believe it. Look, he won the nomination by being a traditional Democrat, by basically saying, I'm not with those guys over there. But then he turned around and said, you know what, rather than staying in the middle of, of, of the Democratic Party or maybe even moving to the center of American politics, I'm going to go left. And so she's sitting there saying, he gets in, we're going to be able to pressure that guy, he's weak. His judgment is bad. He's feckless. And we can take advantage of him all day long. That's not exactly what the American people want. They want somebody who, regardless of where you are, believes in what you believe and are willing to stand and fight for it. This guy sort of is like, OK, it's the wind is blowing to the left. I got to go over there and be with the fringies. And if you've watched him on stage, it's not like you're watching a liberal like Gavin Newsom, who's very comfortable in his own skin, very comfortable with the issues. And if Gavin Newsom was a moderate and he was able to express that, he's convincing. Nobody's convinced that Joe Biden's got a handle on the issues. No one's convinced that Joe Biden uh, really has another gear to pick it up a notch. Everyone thinks by keeping him, salting him away, they'll allow him to win because in some of these polls, he's winning. And it's stunning. 
So my other big thing that I want to talk about when it comes to 2020 is the voting. This should not be Democrat or Republican. I just want the real person, the real senator, the real congressman or woman, the real president to be the president that people voted for with the Electoral College. Sorry. Now you have 10 states plus Washington, D.C., who will just flood the state unrequested ballots. I talked to Judge Napolitano today. Nobody thinks he's not bright. He says, I'm looking at this ballot. I can't even figure it out. Now, I could sit down and probably get it right, but you make one mistake, it becomes provisional. It's not going to count. Why does that work for Democrats? So look at this. So I mentioned D.C., Hawaii, Nevada, New Jersey, Oregon. Oregon's always done it. Utah, Vermont, Washington, Montana, although they have some seconds of Montana who still wants to vote. And this is a big deal because of that Senate seat especially. Only a handful of Montana counties are holding out for a traditional poll election. Why is that? November 3rd, you could have one winner, gradually have another winner. It's going to create doubt there, and it's going to bring the lawyers in to revisit a lot of these ballots. Remember, Hillary Clinton lost by 22 or 15,000, 22,000 in Vermont, excuse me, in uh, Wisconsin, a few thousand in Michigan, a few thousand here, a few thousand there, and the whole election changes. All we want is the right count. So Vermont will just go ahead and flood the zone. And really, it's not that big of a deal in Vermont— But it's a big deal for the country, and I don't get why it's even an issue. And I'll tell you what really bothers me. I love Bill Barr. Bill Barr is the only one where Donald Trump calls up and goes, you want to dial it back, Bill? I think you're creating too much news. Here yesterday, he was ripping yesterday in his speech at Hillsdale. Here he was the other day talking about mail-in voting. Cut five. Just think about the way we vote and why why do we vote the way we vote now, where you have a precinct that you're assigned to, your name is on a list— you go in and say who you are. You go behind a curtain. No one's allowed to go in there to influence you. And no one can tell how you voted. All of that is gone with mail-in. There's no secret vote. You have to associate the, the envelope in the mailing, the name of who's sending it in, with the ballot. So there's no more secret vote on mail-in vote. You can never... See, a secret vote prevents selling and buying votes because you can never say, okay, so now we're back in the business of selling and buying votes. And that bothers me, too. I think Democrats driving right now listening to the show has to be nervous about that, too. Why why would you want Joe Biden not to get every vote counted? People who have COVID-19 worries, it's legitimate. You have time. Request the absentee ballot now, today. If you have a senior in your house and you don't feel comfortable for, uh, for her or him to go to the ballots, they're in a nursing home, apply for an absentee ballot for them. Find out the details about that. It is all out there. You have a commercial every nine seconds on television. Are you really that lazy? I'm not going to vote unless it comes to my house. I don't know that I'm worried about coronavirus until November 1st. You know everything's going to be spaced out. You're ready for long lines anyway. You can go to Target. If you should go to vote, don't say it's not worth the risk. I know you've been out. I know you've been working out. I know you've been to restaurants. I know you've been to gyms. I know you've done things where you're in people. You don't know where they are. You know there's going to be all these precautions and more polling sites. And if not, request a ballot. That is totally different. Next, coronavirus and the vaccine. The president wants to pick up the pace, but you have to understand something. He has no control of the pace. He has nothing to do with the testing. He doesn't even own a lab coat that fits him. I don't even think he has a white coat, period. I don't think that 
He even knows where these labs are, and neither does the FDA. But it didn't stop Joe Biden from getting everybody irresponsibly worried. Here, he calls Joe Biden for uh, uh, for people to distrust distrust this process when for 47 years he knew this process. Cut 12. We can't allow politics to interfere with the vaccine in any way. Americans have had to endure President Trump's incompetence and dishonesty when it comes to testing and personal protective equipment. We can't afford to repeat those fiascos when it comes to a vaccine, when it occurs. The stakes are too high. American families have already suffered and sacrificed too much. So let me be clear. I trust vaccines. I trust scientists. But I don't trust Donald Trump. And at this moment, the American people can't either. Okay, that's your opinion, obviously. He's trying to be president. It's not the first one to personally attack an opponent, and president certainly attacks him enough. But with vaccines, I thought that would be insular. I thought it would be impervious to this. What you just said is you melded both. If you said the FDA will not let the president put out a vaccine that will not go through the normal process— then say what I worry about is distribution, unevenness, only give it to his supporters, red states, and then you, that's political. But the process is not political. Picking up the pace is, is good leadership. But the process can't be rushed. They're doing all the studies, one, two, three, four, and they got to get through it. Or they're not going to get through it, but it's getting close. So I thought Dr. Scott Atlas last night should put all your worries to rest. Here's what he said about the process itself. Cut 16. What's happening that people don't understand is there's a data safety monitoring board of outside experts. They are not even in the government. These are experts in the field that are the only ones that are looking at the data. There is absolutely no possibility, zero possibility of anyone in the government, in the White House, anyone else from influencing the clinical trial that's going on. There's an efficient process going on to have at least one safe and efficient vaccine when it is safe and effective, it will be deemed that by the people who are outsiders looking at the data, and then they will submit it to the FDA for what's called an emergency use authorization. one 408 Please understand that. There's nothing on the shelf. There's nothing at CVS that will harm you. And if it does, that means it slipped through the FDA, that they have not been able to pick it up in all the controlled control studies they've done. I know people in biotech, and they talk about how the FDA moves too slow and they wish they'd pick up the pace, but they don't. They have no control over it. Do not think that politics, if there's a vaccine announced tomorrow, the president's got an operation with the military involved ready to go to hit seniors first, and then there's a priority list after that. Got it? And just know, if you have an opportunity to get it, do your research, make yourself feel good, but it's been through the same process that you get the polio and measles and everything like that. one 408 When we come back, a self-inflicted wound that the president put on himself because him and the CDC in this case are not on the same page. Can anybody write a memo in the Trump in the Trump on the Trump team? Can anyone be on a conference call or a Zoom call and get on the same page? Brian Kilmeade Show. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think there will be vaccine that initially be available sometime between November and December, but very limited supply and will have to be prioritized. If you're asking me when is it going to be generally available to the American public so we can begin to take advantage of vaccine to get back to our regular life, I think we're probably looking at third, late second quarter, third quarter, 2021. So they got a master, a massive plan to get everyone this vaccine. And just about everyone thinks we're zeroing in on it. We just don't know exactly when we're going to get it. When Dr. Robert Redfield said that to a Senate committee, that he said that ahead of the president's press conference yesterday. And it makes the president look terrible or the president didn't know the facts, or Redfield didn't know the facts, or relayed the facts wrong. Cut 11. I think he made a mistake when he said that. It's just incorrect information. And I called him, and he didn't tell me that. And I think he got the message maybe confused. Maybe it was stated incorrectly. No, we're ready to go immediately as the vaccine is announced. So that was one of the big stories yesterday. It just makes the administration look bad for no reason. No reason. Just just get a system where you say, this is the latest on the vaccine. This is the latest on the therapeutics. These are the numbers. And uh, this is what we can look forward to. Here's the new announcements. Just put that up in the categories. I mean, uh, one thing about Cuomo, his was pretty. His press conference was pretty organized. He gave, he gave a point. He, he had a point of view. And unlike Cuomo, he's, the president's going to get tougher questions that go different from his messaging. But if the messaging's crisp, you eliminate 80% of the issues with all of his detractors who are just going to focus on masks, how they work, nothing to do with you, but all have to do with them trying to score a point, I guess, for their editors. So real quick, the other big news that the president had a lot to do with, parents, players, and the president got together, and they said if the ACC, SEC, and other people can play sports, and high school sports, especially in Ohio, why can't you play in the Big Ten? 
The answer was finally yes. So they're going to start in a few weeks. They're going to play at least eight games and maybe have a shot at the playoffs in a national championship if you're Ohio State. So that is fantastic. Now Pac-12 do it. It goes to show you that we can't do it attitude has no place in America. And hopefully this goes away with Election Day. And when it comes to dining and drinking and working out and opening up malls, can we just get back in action? Senator Brasso next. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Here's how radical the people are controlling the House of Representatives. Uh, We have a bipartisan group of 50 people that are really begging to pass something at one and a half trillion. She turns that down. So do they want to do something or not? And it's putting politics uh, above the benefit for the American people. So I think that right now there's little chance of getting something done. Now, that's depressing if, in fact, it is true. That is Senator Chuck Grassley. Senator John Barrasso is the doctor himself, chairman of the Senate Republican Conference uh, and from Wyoming. And, Senator, uh, thanks for joining us, first off. Well, great to be with you, Brian. You know, I told you uh, <laughs> before the shutdown that I was going to take uh, Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers with me, and I did. And I'll tell you, I think I need to head to the Secret Six next. It was terrific. And wow, I, thank all you. of you, I'd say it, there's a lot you can learn from Brian's writing. Well, I appreciate it, especially I didn't know much from Texas, and I just could not believe how great the story was. I did not know we'd be in a war on history uh, when I started looking into these books, but we are. I was just did, did a tour of the Washington Monument for a piece that's going to air on Fox Nation. And there's real concern. There's real concern of those 153 sites or if the wrong person's president and this liberal mindset takes root. America's history is really going to be changed. Well, absolutely. You're so right. And the Democrats have surrendered to the mob. When Nancy Pelosi, you know, her father was mayor of Baltimore. In Baltimore, the mob tore down the statue of Christopher Columbus and threw it in the harbor. And this is a statue that her father was involved in raising money to put up in Baltimore. And they asked Nancy Pelosi about it, and she said, people will do what people will do. Look, that, that's, that's not somebody that's concerned about the safety of the American families. That's somebody who has absolutely surrendered to the mob. We know they've done it politically. They're doing it on the streets. We cannot allow this to continue. And you're right, and you tell the story very well. So well, thanks well, for what you're doing. You got it, Senator. But with Nancy Pelosi in particular, when it comes to this rescue package, I know conservatives especially can't believe how much money we're spending. Our deficit is $3 trillion. But the people listening right now, a lot of them work in restaurants. A lot of them have their business shutdowns. They've been destroyed by the riots or they've been destroyed by uh, by this coronavirus. Oppressive legislative leaders, I'm not sure, but they're hurting. So another rescue package seems to be something Republicans are looking at now. And now it looks like Nancy Pelosi is getting pressure from about 30 Democrats in the House to come back to the table. But yet they left town. Yeah, the uh, you know the Wall Street Journal had the headline yesterday in the editorial Pelosi's nervous majority, and they should be 
nervous because of what has actually been rejected by the Democrats. Republicans have a focused, targeted approach for just the people that you're talking about, uh, Brian, the people who are your listeners there today. What we said, what, we, what I hear in Wyoming and what people need at home, we need money to make sure our kids can back, get back to school yep. safely so parents can go back to work. We need additional funding for the paycheck protection program so it's all these small businesses, the restaurants and others, people can stay on the payroll, and we need to make sure there's enough money for the testing and treatment and the vaccine. But what does Pelosi want to do? She wants to lard this thing up with everything but the kitchen sink. You look at the list. It is a complete liberal wish list and the bailouts for states in the big cities run by Democrats, run by liberals and run poorly for years and years and years and now wants a blank check to send to her liberal friends in the big cities and and the president's not going to stand for that. The president, you know, he came he's made uh, he has bent over backwards to try to come up with a solution to help all of the folks, but I think that Pelosi and Schumer are so fixated on defeating President Trump that they will block needed aid to American families because they've made a political calculation. I think it is callous. I think it's cold-hearted. But they've made this political calculation, in my opinion, that uh, if nothing is passed, it will help the Democrats and will hurt President Trump. But listen to Cindy Hoyer. This shows that there's a problem here uh, and with Democrats because the message you're missing and maybe San Francisco is so far gone and her seat is so safe she doesn't care. Cut 19. The sooner, the better. The timeline is let's do it now. Let's get it done. And I'm hopeful that when the next five or six or seven days, we can get a deal that we could then put in legislation and pass. And I'm hopeful that we can do all of that, albeit perhaps at lesser levels in shorter time. Listen, he's, a, he's like almost sounds like a Republican or a member well, of the problem solving side. He, he certainly does. But last week in lockstep, every Democrat in the Senate showed up and voted no to money to help our kids so they don't fall further behind. Every Democrat deal. showed up and voted in lockstep no for money for paycheck protection for our small businesses. Every one of them voted no, and they had that opportunity just last Thursday. And then what happened afterwards? Chuck Schumer comes to the floor of the Senate, and he whines and belly aches that, you know, it wasn't in this rescue package. He said, money for the Long Island Railroad. You know, nobody in Wyoming ever talks to me about money for the Long Island Railroad. They talk about the need for schools and for jobs and for the and, – and, and the economy's coming back. You, you can see it right now. This great American comeback under President Trump is working 10 million new jobs in the last four months. But there are people, as you just described, listening right now who are hurting – we need to make sure that they are taken care of. Yeah, and by the way, I take the Long Island Railroad home, so how dare you call me out? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they might, not like, they might not be talking about it in Jackson Hole, but um, they do need it here. Uh, I don't know how many trains you have, you have any commuters you have there, uh, which is a beautiful state. But, Senator, I want to uh, bring you to another area. Go ahead. Do you want to comment? Well, no, I think that it's – there are there are legitimate concerns that can be discussed in Washington and on Capitol Hill, but they shouldn't be tied to the coronavirus. And I think that's what the president is talking about. He wants to be focused on this, on the needs of the people that are, as you talk about your listeners who are, who are hurting, people at home all across the country who are listening to you today and who watch you faithfully every morning uh, for, for your advice and your leadership and your guidance. We need a targeted bill 
that will get broad bipartisan support. And to do that, we cannot be using that money to bail out the big cities, the blue states, uh, and uh, bureaucracies, have, which have been terrible in terms of being using the public money for years and years and years. Uh, Senator Brasso, our, our, our guest. Senator, uh, I want to bring you to another area of expertise, and that's the medical profession. The President of the United States rebuked the CDC director who said it's, we're not going to have a mass distribution of a vaccine uh, till the summer. Here's what the president said after that. Cut 15. Number one, is not more effective by any means than a vaccine. And I called him about that. Those were the two things I discussed with him. And I believe that uh, if you ask him, he would probably say that he didn't understand the question. But when I called up uh, Robert today, I said to him, uh, what's with the mask? He said, I think I answered that question incorrectly. I think maybe he misunderstood it. I mean, you know, you have two questions. Maybe he misunderstood both of them. But the answer to the one is it's going to be a much faster distribution than he said. Maybe he's not aware of the distribution process. It's not really his thing as much as it would be, let's say, mine. But the distribution is going to be much faster. As far as the mask is concerned, uh, I hope that the vaccine is going to be a lot more beneficial than the masks. And I should have prefaced that with the other big story. He said a mask is actually better than a vaccine. So could you take on both issues, uh, the vaccine, when it's ready, did the president, was the president uh, wishful thinking on this? Where do you stand? I I really love the president's leadership on the vaccine. Uh, I met uh, yesterday afternoon with the head of research as well as the secretary of health and human services. This is record speed. This whole effort for a vaccine development as a doctor, we've never had this kind of uh, massive commitment to coming up with a vaccine ever in history. This is going to break all records. Uh, And in the process of all this research is done, and Brian, I can spend a lot of time, you know, we've had hundreds of thousands of Americans volunteer to participate in the vaccine trials. It's what you would expect of the American people who are willing to put themselves at risk for the benefit of others. And uh, hundreds of thousands volunteering. There are multiple studies going on now with groups of 30,000 people in the final stages of research. And at the same time, we're mass producing these vaccines. There's over a million copies of each of these. So when we know which works the best and we'll by the end of the year have 10 million of each of these vaccines available. Now, that's not enough for everybody in America, but it's certainly enough for the most vulnerable much, much sooner than next summer. We're talking about a faster, faster timeline. But nothing's going to happen until we know that it is effective and safe, and that's why they're doing the numbers on such large scale with each study with 30,000 people um, involved. I've never been more optimistic about a breakthrough vaccine than I am uh, with what we're doing now. They will, by the end of the year, have six in full-scale studies with good good results, I believe, back uh, before that. And yeah, for people that are most vulnerable, the elderly, people in nursing homes, our frontline workers, our healthcare people, I think it's a much faster timeline, but we're going to make sure that it's safe and effective before it's released. Would you encourage the administration to get on the same page with their medical staff? Because this just gives their critics a field day to focus on Redfield and Trump and the day, you know, the discord, the discord between them and possible angst. 
you know, you've seen this before. I mean, the the national press corps goes after the president. You know, if he if he says up, they say down. We've seen it uh, on and on and on. Uh, and uh, I mean, he even saw it with the incredible peace work that the president has done with regard to the the Middle East. Uh, the Washington. Uh, Post and Times and Wall Street Journal had a front page picture of the president uh, and the signing. And the New York Times had a picture of the backsides of the president and leaders from around the world. I mean, that is the way that the press has treated this president. So you're right. Uh, but it is important for the for the administration to all be speaking on the, the same page. I've been talking to the researchers, talking to the Secretary of Health and Human Service. I'm very encouraged with where we're going. And the vaccine from the beginning, we've said, it is the long-term solution for coronavirus and the treatment and the get getting people back to uh, life as we've known it before the virus. The economy is coming back gangbusters. Uh, we're seeing the numbers and more people working and uh, the economic improvements that we're seeing around the country. The vaccine is the final answer in getting people to take the vaccine. And I think when, when you hear Joe Biden saying he's not sure if it's real or safe, and you hear Kamala Harris saying she's not sure it can be trusted. And in the other night in North Carolina, the candidate for the Senate in the Senate debate, said he didn't think he would take it. That is fear-mongering, and I think it is a, a, is a disgrace for them to be behaving in that way. Well, see what, well, I guess we'll see what happens from here. Senator, thanks so much. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me, Brian. All right, you got it. Senator John Barrasso, an MD uh, Republican out of Wyoming. When we come back, your turn, one 866 So, some good news on the Big Ten. Is the Pac-12 poised to do the same thing as they try to overcome these uh, these uh, devilish fires that are ravaging Oregon, Washington State, and California. Getting past all the rhetoric, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, the talk show America's that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade. We put out guidelines uh, a month or so ago, and we aligned them. We worked with the NC2A, and we aligned them with the NC2A. There's nothing in the state guidelines that denies the Pac-12 from having conference games. Yeah, but they just came out. I don't know who said this, but they just came out. The California state system came out and said, oh, we're not going to we're not going to you're not going to have in school learning. And then they did. Next thing you know, they banned sports and they thought everybody else was going to follow suit. The Big Ten actually jumped in. Pac-12, I think, was first then the Big Ten and the SEC go, excuse me, we're already practicing. We're doing this. The ACC go, we're already doing this. The Big Ten's reversed it. I want to see the Pac-12 do it. Here's why. They need that money to support other programs. It's not just about football. If you're especially in the Northeast, you're not big into college football naturally because you don't have a team here. Not saying you're not, but not like the South, not like Texas, you know, not like uh, you get in California. UCLA, USC, Oregon is this new upstart superpower. So I really believe that you need the revenue, at least from the TV contracts, let alone the fans. And even if you're remote learning, if you could go into a sports bar to watch a game with your buddies five feet away with plexiglass and a, and a mask on, it's still going to help that business. Deborah, listening in South Florida. Hey, Deborah. Hello. 
good morning. Um, I um, happen to see our – I live in Florida. I'm, I, I saw the governor on Fox and Friends this morning discussing how the voting rules may change with people moving into the state. I just really have a comment. I live in South Florida, which is a pretty liberal area, and I was in the grocery store parking lot yesterday, and I saw actually four to five vehicles with New York tags. And out of those vehicles, three of them, two had vote blue and one had a Biden sticker. So my comment is they, people are coming here, yes, to, to escape some of the liberal restrictions and policies. And then they come here and then try to turn our state into what they left. And it's concerning for us lifelong Floridians. I've lived here my entire life. It was a small town once, and it was more of a country farming community, and it's vastly changed. So I do worry about that. Deborah, I worry about it. I I worry about it, too, because it's not reflective of the people of Florida. It's these new insurgents. The same thing they're trying to do in Texas. But let me add this to it. Orlando, I heard, has been extremely changed. Is that true? Um, I really live in the southeast part. Um, I believe the I-4 corridor has become a little more conservative. My brothers live over in the Tampa Bay area. It's very conservative over there. And I'm actually moving to Jacksonville soon, and it's a little more conservative up there as well. Um, It's the south. It's like Palm Beach County is very liberal. Um, Martin County, a little, it's a variety. But I think on the I-4 corridor in the Orlando area, um, that's probably maybe a 50-50 gotcha. It's hard to say because of the young people. Young people seem to be gravitating towards this very liberal bent, and it's a, it's a concern, a true concern. They are I'm so advised. clueless. They are so clueless. You are 100% right, and it is a concern. If the president doesn't win, Florida doesn't win. I had Governor DeSantis on at uh, 7 or 8 o'clock on Fox & Friends, and they say there's disco. You know, I'm reading the political story. A big feature on DeSantis. Now he's a great baseball player, got to Yale, a true middle-class person who went to the military and um, self-made. But they said that he and the president combined forces and he won the governorship, barely. And he's a governor, young guy, young family. And they say he has not paid the president's back. His team is kind of unhappy that Governor DeSantis hasn't done more in the state that Governor Rick Scott did and Governor Jeb Bush did for Bush 43. And Governor Sanders says that's absolutely not true. We're getting along fine. But he does is complaining about their campaign. He told us that Miami-Dade area is ripe for the president, but they have not put the imprint there that they should. Now, $100 million is going to flood in there from Biden uh, because of Bloomberg. The president's got to get down there. He can do more retail work. And let's see if he can convert it again. Remember, up until game day, election day, he was supposed to lose Florida. And when he was trailing early, they gave that briefing and they said, according to the exit poll, the president lost, the current president, Donald Trump will lose big. Hillary Clinton's going to win. And here's how it's going to play out. Well, it turned out he had a late surge and took the state easily, took North Carolina. And then we know what happened through the Midwest. He's got to go back and do it again. He doesn't mind working. Biden does. And that's the big advantage. Hey, uh, go to BrianKillmeShow.com. You can listen live anytime if you have to leave your local affiliate. And go to BrianKillmead.com. Get Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. It's now out on paperback. And if you go to my local store, I'll sign it and send it. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. 
It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York. Heard around the country, heard around the world. This hour, we're going to do a simulcast. You'll see what I look like in case you don't have Fox Nation, where we're streamed all the time. I'll be on uh, Barney and Company, Fox Business Network with Stewart. And then we'll have uh, Dr. Mark Siegel in about 10 minutes telling us who's winning this fight between the president and his CDC director when it comes to the vaccine and what we can look forward to. Uh, Of course, when it comes to looking forward to something, New York is basically locked down, even though we're probably the best in the country in terms of numbers. And New York, by the way, another brawl between the mayor and the governor. The mayor comes out and says, I'm going to have to lay myself off and my wife and others. And then the governor comes out. The last thing you should do is lay people off. No kidding. Or you do what New Jersey's doing, raise taxes, millionaires, those horrible millionaires. That's what sends them to Texas and, uh, and Florida. We had a call last hour where the woman was saying so many New Yorkers are coming over to Florida, but they're bringing their liberal values to them and destroying this state. And what the governor says about the mayor is what I've been saying. Instead of fixing it, he blames. He writes, we got a homeless problem. We have a crime problem. The city is dirty. Yeah, it's your city. You're in it. Just because you're not the mayor doesn't mean you can't try to do something about it. That is that's our great leader, but I'm not uh, but I'm not forgetting the West Coast where 17,000 firefighters are on the ground fighting. National Guard is in the sky, and five million acres are being burned. We're keeping our eye on that. Uh, so much going on. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three. So as we progressed. We came up with more and more. The doctors came up with more and more answers. They answered all the questions the chancellors and presidents had. The bottom line is we allow our student-athletes to get back out on the field and play, and and that's what they love to do. Yep, Barry Alvarez, former coach, now AD of uh, Wisconsin. Where there is parents, where there are players, where there are presidents, there is a will and there is a way. Big Ten football is back. They decide to play five weeks after canceling their season. College basketball commits to a later start date, but they'll play. Is it time for the liberal left to get the Pac-12 back on the field and follow suit and give America and these kids and the parents and the players and you some sense of normalcy? Number two. If you're asking me when is it going to be generally available to the American public so we can begin to take advantage of vaccine to get back to our regular life, I think we're probably looking at late second quarter, third quarter, 2021. All right. I think he made a mistake when he said that. It's just incorrect information. I think you got the message maybe confused. I think you are right. There is confusion. A vaccine is imminent. Plans in place to get it to everyone, everywhere. How the Harris-Biden team have it all backwards, along with a bottom-up push for another rescue plan in Congress for suffering Americans that seem to steamroll Nancy Pelosi's standoffishness. She's trying to give it the Heisman, and we're running over the statue. I'll explain. Number one. Overall, um, um, we can likely push Vice President Biden in a more progressive uh, direction across policy issues. 2020, forget the polls. Let's look at the vote. And yet another state commits to mailing every resident ballots unrequested. As both candidates make it clear, they have two different approaches to winning. One to work, Donald Trump, and one to hide, Joe Biden. But is Joe Biden's agenda really AOC, who you just heard's agenda? And we got a problem. And that is in the truth. Every time that Joe Biden talks, talks about his initiatives. Do I look like a crazy liberal to you? No, but AOC does. And she's convinced you're going to adopt her policies. No, socialist Bernie Sanders does. And he's willing to fight for your agenda. Why is that? Where he wouldn't fight for Hillary Clinton. Why is it? 
that two members of the squad are convinced you're going to be liberal because you're going to be liberal. And it's up to the president to unearth those policies right away. Here's more from AOC, who was walking in Washington yesterday. Right now, what is most important is to make sure that we ensure a Democratic victory in November and that we continue to push Vice President Biden um, on issues from marijuana to climate change to, um, to foreign policy and making sure that we continue to fight for a progressive agenda in, in our future. I think overall, um, um, we can likely push Vice President Biden in a more progressive uh, direction across policy issues. She said, well, he's stubborn on health care. He wants a public option. It's not too stubborn. That expands on Obamacare. But she wants to get, get rid of the oil and gas and fracking. You know that. She wants to give uh, immigrants free health care. You know that. She wants to give citizenship to those here illegally. You know that. On most of this stuff, he's going to give in. Plus, if the Senate goes Democrat, just understand this. Maybe you're okay with it. Puerto Rico becomes a state if they vote for it. It's done. D.C. becomes a state it was never intended to be in our Constitution. Intention intended to be neutral. And the filibuster gone. Maybe the Electoral College is next. In San Francisco, they're pushing for voters to vote at the age of 16. Maybe that'll be the national norm because most say the younger people vote Democrat. Call Rove. Cut three. She is saying what a lot in the progressive left wing, let's do the fringe of the Democratic Party, believe, and they got a lot of evidence to believe it. Look, he won the nomination by being a traditional Democrat, by be basically saying, I'm not with those guys over there. But then he turned around and said, you know what, rather than staying in the middle of, of, of the Democratic Party or maybe even moving to the center of American politics, I'm going to go left. And so she's sitting there saying, he gets in, we're going to be able to pressure that guy, he's weak. His judgment is bad, he's feckless, and we can take advantage of him all day long. That's not exactly what the American people want. They want somebody who, regardless of where you are, believes in what you believe and are willing to stand and fight for it. This guy sort of is like, okay, it's the wind is blowing to the left. I got to go over there and be with the fringies. You're not kidding. And, he, you know, I don't even think he wants to be president. You know that look in people's eye that they have the ambition, whether you vote for them, him or her or not? Hillary Clinton wanted to be president. John Kerry wanted to be president. Mitt Romney wanted to be president. There was no doubt about it. John Cain thirsted to be president, thought he would do a good job. I do, too. And I don't see that hunger in Joe Biden's eyes. I see a guy just holding on and saying, how am I winning? I'm winning because I'm not Donald Trump. Trump has got to go win this thing on the debates. And he's got to make people understand that this guy is totally unhinged, unworthy, lost his fastball. And when he didn't have his fastball, he was dealing with plagiarism. He was dealing with... Uh, a wackiness that made Barack Obama basically put him away from the cameras for four years. The other thing to keep in mind, too, when it comes to law enforcement, the president's greatest hope, perhaps, is the silent voter. His second greatest hope is law enforcement because they've been abandoned by the Democratic Party. Lip service from Joe Biden, but no action. You don't see the, um, the vice presidential nominee, even though it's California, go to visit those LAPD cops who were shot in the head and the jaw over the weekend because they don't care. They don't think it's their base, but they've lost all of it because these are union members that most likely, many cases, would have voted Democrat. And now we're already seeing in real time some of the residue of the lack of support for law enforcement. In the least surprising story in the history of man, Minneapolis is now have a, in the midst of a crime wave. They wonder where the, uh, the, the cops are. 
Remember, they want to defund the cops and make it more community-oriented. In fact, they have a name for it. Uh, they are uh, they are called you know, the Canary in a Coal Mine Cops. I'll get it. Um, they are, where is that? I'll get that a little bit later. But here's the numbers in the Minneapolis Police Department. The crime data shows a rise in assaults, robberies, and homicides, as well as property crimes and arson. That, according to Minneapolis Public Radio, they complain that the cops are nowhere to be found. Well, you cut their numbers, cut their budgets, and a lot of them have quit. Lisa Bender, this gem, is a council president who is among the many leading the call to overhaul and defund the cops. She says her constituents say the officers on the street have admitted that they are purposely not arresting people who are committing crimes. No kidding. Would you? You end up beaten up, not supported, fired, and maybe in jail. Now, no one says that those cops for George Floyd were right. They were terrible. They caused a national unrest, and I get it. There should be police restructuring, lengthening times in the economy, de-escalation courses among for experts, money provided by the federal government to allow the small and big cities to get the support, but they've walked away from it. Philippe Cunningham is another genius. He took more than a million dollars from the police budget to hire violence interrupters to intervene and intervene and defuse potentially violent confrontations because you know so many times criminals say i'm going to be in two blocks i'm going to be over there and knock off an old lady steal her wallet her pocketbook and then ransack her house so many times they tell violence interrupters that ahead of time but they just don't have the funding to hire them violence interrupters uh are a joke what minneapolis is doing is emblematic of what happened in lapd the anger towards cops in Portland and Seattle. That's the president's greatest opportunity for success, and it's a legitimate one because he supported law enforcement, he supports law and order, and the other guy doesn't. He's onto that train very, very late. My major concern that I wanted to drill home at some point, but I don't want to take too much time away from Dr. Siegel, is the voting. When you have these votes, for the 10th state just decided yesterday to mail every single resident a ballot. Vermont. Every single resident gets a ballot in New Jersey. What problem is that they say people move every two years. And they told us, Governor Christie told us in New Jersey specifically, that he tried to update the voter rolls. It is impossible. Murphy hasn't even tried. So California, everybody gets a ballot. Colorado, everybody gets a ballot. Sound like Oprah. D.C., Hawaii, Nevada, New Jersey, Oregon, Utah, Vermont now, Washington State, and Montana. Here's what bothers me. I don't care about Donald Trump and I don't care about Joe Biden. I just care about the country. If you have mail-in ballots, some of which only have to arrive postmarked prior to November 3rd. So if they, if they arrive November 7th and a postmark November 2nd, they count. November 3rd, we need a winner. Unless there's a situation like Florida with hanging chads, those have to be an anomaly. Right now, there's almost no way we get a winner unless it's a Biden or Trump blowout because everyone's going to contest it. And these ballots are confusing. If you fill it out, you make one mistake, they become provisional. They arrive later, they get lost, they don't exist. And then you're going to go check the voter roll and you're going to say, I voted, I mailed it in, it's not there. Corruption. You know who should be concerned about this? Everybody. Joe Biden should be concerned about this. one 408 We'll discuss that a little bit later, but I, but I hope you understand that I'm not even coming at this for Trump or against Biden. I'm coming at this for the country. 
they found 1,600 ballots in New Jersey from that special election that took, I think, an extra two months to get an answer for. They just found 1,600 ballots. Now, it didn't decide either way the election when they counted them. But do you really want this type of doubt? It's the last thing we need. When we come back, Dr. Mark Siegel. On the battle I haven't fully outlined yet between the CDC and the president and the vice president, Joe Biden, former, who say, I don't trust Donald Trump on the vaccine. And now the vaccine and the CDC director, different, uh, the president and the vaccine director, the vaccine director, the CDC director on the problems with getting this vaccine to the people. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Busy day. Don't move. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis. Because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're asking me, when is it going to be generally available to the American public so we can begin to take advantage of vaccine to get back to our regular life? I think we're probably looking at late second quarter, third quarter, 2021. I think he made a mistake when he said that. It's just incorrect information. I think he got the message maybe confused. Listen, anytime I'm confused by anything medical, I got to go to Dr. Mark Siegel. And, you know, Dr. Mark Siegel, NYU superstar, Dr. Siegel. Were you shocked to see this type of discrepancy between the director of the CDC and the president? No, I'm not shocked by anything right now, but I'll tell you <laughs> something. I'll tell you something. Um, the, the, the main problem here is that people don't necessarily fully respect the office of the presidency when they speak out in the media about things that they should probably be talking behind closed doors. That's one. Number two, the FDA uh, advisory committee is going to be meeting on October 22nd, Brian, and there's a lot of vaccines, several vaccines, three main vaccines in the United States that are in late phase three trials already. And the Data Safety Monitoring Board is looking closely at them. And I haven't been hearing, thank God, a lot of reports of adverse effects. So overall, I suspect they're pretty well tolerated. So, so I don't think that there's any way you could put a timetable on this like late 2021. I don't, I don't think that that's what's in the cards right now. So what I find unbelievable is, and I think you need to outline this, the FDA is immune from politics to the frustration of many really rich, powerful people in biotech. And I thought Dr. Scott Atlas outlined that well last night. But why don't you tell us, it doesn't matter what Donald Trump wants. The FDA has a process, correct? Brian, I interviewed the head of the FDA this morning on the radio, and it's not aired yet, but I have to tell you that's exactly how he outlined it. He talked about what data points are, how you look for events when people that are, you know, literally get exposed to the virus but don't get sick versus another group who gets exposed to the virus that didn't have the vaccine that does get sick. These are data points. And when you reach enough data that shows you statistically that a vaccine works and you've tested it in enough people and it doesn't cause undue side effects, then you go, you know what? 
it may be time for it. And I asked him something else, Brian, that you're going to find fascinating. What about healthcare workers on the front line? Might we be willing to take a vaccine a little earlier than another group if we're facing COVID risks every day? And he said, absolutely, yes. And that might be when an emergency use authorization might come into play. There's a lot of things to consider here. And all the saber rattling and the fear mongering is not helping at all. 1976 swine flu about a virus that didn't even exist versus this virus that's infecting millions in the United States alone, it's a totally different ball game. We need a vaccine, and creating fear is, is really, really risking public health. When I hear it, I don't know if you got a glimpse of it, because I know you interviewed the president about a month ago. He's got a massive plan to get the military involved, that this is going to be a huge airlift with this vaccine when it's ready. Do you have any sense of what he means? Well, I think that's fantastic and unprecedented. The DOD knows how to deliver a vaccine. You know, military recruits going into combat have to get an anthrax vaccine. I mean, there's several different, they have to be fully vaccinated. DOD knows how to do this. CDC is going to be frontlining this, though, but the DOD is going to help with distribution. They're already setting up distribution centers using McKesson, and that was also politicized. The president tries to get ahead of this thing, and everybody's trying to politicize it. I think the real issue with Operation Warp Speed is great science occurring without manufactured manufacturing blockade. Uh, Dr. Robert Redfield said yesterday, I'll quote, masks are the most valuable health tool we have. I would encourage Americans to embrace them. Masks work in our best defense. They're almost more effective than a vaccine. Really? Well, Brian, you and I are much more trained at media soundbites than some people, and that soundbite is just incorrect. I've interviewed Redfield, too, and I think he's a really good virologist, but that's just incorrect. I mean, masks are—I call them the icing on the public distancing cake. In other words, stay away from someone who could be sick, and then if you add a mask and you wear it properly and it's in close quarters, it adds something. But better than a vaccine, a vaccine is what will bring us, if, if it's effective, to herd immunity, not a mask. So were you shocked to hear that when the president said he misspoke. Is that possible? That who misspoke? That, Redfield. That Redfield. Yeah, I mean, I that, mean, that's being generous. You know, the president doesn't get uh, much praise for that, but he's generous. I mean, he's not trying to throw anybody under the bus here. I think being saying he misspoke was a generous way to, 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 to phrase it. I don't know why he said it. It's just flat out wrong. I know. It embarrasses the president of press conference. Dr. Mark Siegel, thanks so much. Appreciate you straightening everything out as usual. Oh, I'd love to come on with you, Brian. Thank you. You got it. Fox News, uh, Fox News Medical Contributor. Uh, we'll have uh, your calls next, one 408 7669 I'm not keeping politics out of the next block, though. Just out of medicine. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show these so-called black lives matter people they're interested in they're interested in props a small number of blacks who were killed by police during uh conflict with police usually less than a dozen a year who they can use as props to achieve a much broader political agenda so Black Lives Matter, their popularity has dropped from about 86 percent to 55 percent in this country because people representing them uh, have been very violent in some cases, especially late at night. 
uh, when we're seeing in Portland, Seattle, and other places, Minneapolis originally. And instead of a group that wants to make race relations better, they seem like a group that wants to create chaos in society. And they have not had an effective spokesperson. Hawk Newsom hasn't done it. I haven't seen it. Uh, he's on a few times. He's been incendiary at best. And they've kind of just went back into the background. But in terms of race, uh, race relations, we could always improve and attack that. But that organization is collecting a heck of a lot of money. And I'm not sure they're benefiting anyone. Bill, listening on WVMT in Vermont. Bill. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. Hey, I, uh, I guess you're getting the ballot here, any day. Yeah, we, we're not thrilled about that. But uh, up here, we're starting to get the uh, the smoke. And I just wanted to kind of put the uh, olfactory image out there of this is what liberalism smells like. This is what's going to happen if the liberals really take over. You and mean the, uh, their lack of lo- their their restrictions on logging allow these uh, these forests to be overrun and add to all this? Let alone we don't even know right, how they started. Right. It could be arson. Could be, but the uh, you know it's liberal mismanagement of the forests that that are causing these fires. There's none in Canada, and there's none in Mexico. It's all coming from our our liberal West. And they're blaming global uh, cl- excuse me climate change. And the, the amount of devastation is incredible. So we're getting it on the on the East Coast. They're getting it in Europe now. Do you believe that? Right. That's crazy. Hey, before you go, I wanted to talk, say something about COVID. Go ahead. Uh, you, you know, the, the key to COVID is being of not getting COVID and managing the symptoms, if you get it, is being vitamin D replete. You know, there's a lot of new studies coming out that, you know, Americans and people around the world are vitamin D starved. And if we can just maintain our vitamin D levels, we can defeat this virus. Let's try it. Worth a, uh, worth a try uh, in Vermont. Appreciate it. Donna, to listen on WARK in Fredericks, Maryland. Hi, Brian. It's good to hear your voice this morning. I was thinking about the latest radical left talking point, which is, which is basically some uncovered BS story about Trump and an affair with somebody 20 years ago. And I think the left, the Democrat Party, is truly the definition of insanity. They bring out the same talking points over and over again. They recycle them like old newspapers, which they have plenty of, by the way, and they expect a different result. Frankly, we'll see. Uh, the latest many, accusation is the U- a woman at the U.S. Open back in 1997, I think. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And and you know what? The thing is, they think that the American public at large is so ignorant that we don't see through all this nonsense. That's the part that is in our favor as independents, conservatives, people with common sense that love America – and so going forward, I think it's really important to pay attention to what Democrats do with trying to cheat us out of our election, trying to upend us with a civil war. And more than anything, I really hope that someone delves into following the money because it's going to lead to a lot of big billionaires who are pro-communist. All right, Donna. Thanks. Maggie, listening in North Carolina. Maggie. Hi. Hi, Brian. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I I live in North Carolina, as you said, and I wanted to let you know that uh, my husband and I, very early on because of uh, COVID, decided that we wanted to vote by by mail. So we uh, sent in our request, 
and we received our ballots and we're very impressed with what North Carolina has done, the measures that they've taken to make sure that um, your vote is received. There were tracking numbers on the envelope Great. and the actual ballot. And uh, we had to have our uh, signatures on the back of the envelope. Once it was sealed, you had to have a witness um, for your signature uh, verifying that uh, indeed and in fact it was you. So, um, All right, so North Carolina, okay, here's what you did, Maggie. You requested it. You thought about it in August, or, or and you got it. You, you sent it in, and you requested it, and you got it. North Carolina is buttoned up. All these states are going to flood everybody with, with uh, applications, uh, with, uh, with ballots. Don't tell me they're ready for it. There's no way. Then you're asking the post office to be ready for it. There are all these people in between. Here's what Attorney General Barr said on Tuesday that I think is very valid today for Democrats and Republicans. Cut five. Just think about the way we vote and why why do we vote the way we vote now, where you have a precinct that you're assigned to, your name is on a list, you go in and say who you are, you go behind a curtain, no one's allowed to go in there to influence you. And no one can tell how you voted. All of that is gone with mail-in. There's no secret vote. You have to associate the the envelope in the mailing, the name of who's sending it in, with the ballot. So there's no more secret vote on mail-in vote. You can never see a secret vote prevents selling and buying votes because you can never say correct. Okay. So now we're back in the business of selling and buying votes. Doesn't make any sense. Here is the president. He is incensed about this, the, the likelihood of multiple states disputing the outcome. And what could happen? Cut four. This whole ballot system where you can send it in and it's not even requested. We're not talking about it solicited. They're unsolicited ballots and they're sent in is very dangerous for our country. And you know who knows that better than anybody? The Democrats. The ballots will be stolen. Who knows where they're going? Who knows where they're coming from? It's not just the counting of the ballots, which, by the way, which will take forever. It'll take forever. You think November 3rd? You might not have, I guess, at a certain point, it goes to Congress. Realize with this, you think this is contentious now? Can you imagine we're talking, we don't have a winner in Wisconsin. We don't have a winner in Ohio. We don't have a winner in Michigan. We don't have a winner in Florida. Every day, people are going to be making wild accusations of cheating on both sides. Lawyers are going to be making a ton of money going down there and all trying to get famous from there. The most flamboyant gets the most attention. And bottom line is, you don't have to have an ID. You got to match signatures. We all know how much time we put into our signature. Absolutely nothing. Julie, listen, in Boca Raton, Florida. Julie. Hi. Good morning, Brian. First time caller. How are Thank you? Thank you. Appreciate it. Good. Um, Kind of coming to you for advice and also make kind of want to make a statement of the indoctrine of our kids in the public school systems. I'm a single parent raising a 16-year-old daughter. I can't even speak to her about Trump. I can't even have a conversation. I can't even bring up. Tried bringing up the peace accord yesterday, and she shoots to me that, oh, well, there was an arms deal in that trade. And I asked her to show me the proof, and she pulls up a New York Times article. 
And it's frustrating trying to get. By the way, I have no problem with the arms deal that's involved because defense is part of national security for everybody. And that's part of the reason that builds trust between them when they can have an exchange. It's not that we are we need the arms sales. Did you explain that to her? I did. I tried to, but she only listens to what her friends are telling her. She doesn't see both sides, and she's not educating herself. And I just need help and advice on what I could do to try and get her to listen to both sides. Well, is she going to go to college? Yes. I would would really research where she goes to college and limit where she can go, or else you'd probably lose her forever. And I would go ahead, and and I would point out— uh, some people that have done some extraordinary things, like Frederick Douglass as a Republican, like this guy named Abraham Lincoln that made a huge uh, difference, what, uh, what Ronald Reagan believes, and was the freedom and opportunity that our system gives, not to tell you, but to reach your potential. And just give them a paycheck and understand that maybe currently in the top tax bracket, you give almost 50 percent of everything you earn to the government. And that provides all the infrastructure that she sees. And the more you are successful, the more tax money, not only do you get a bigger house, but the government gets more money. And that's the way it works. Success should be uh, praised, uh, not vilified. And point out some of the great men and women in the past that have come up through the ranks. And some great Democrats, too. I mean, if you listen to JFK and what he ran on, that guy sounds like a conservative today, but I'm sure... In, in her, the people that she looks up to, JFK is probably first and foremost, especially on so-called modern presidents. It's a frustrating thing, I can imagine. Single parent, you got to worry about politically where they stand. If they're going to be the next one arrested, uh, smashing a building or destroying a Starbucks. It's crazy. Most of these kids are rich and entitled. Listen, when we come back, I'm going to be on with Stuart Varney. So I want you to watch, and they'll be able to take some calls right after that, one 408 7669 We have a lot to discuss today, a lot of numbers to go over, a lot of breaking news to go through. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, right, welcome back, everybody. We're going to be joined on uh, by Stuart Varney. We're going to share audiences on the Fox Business Network. Always one of the most fun, uh, it's almost one of the fun times of the week. He's a great guy who has a diverse range of interests, including what's going on in the NFL. The president tweeting yesterday, look at the cratering rating, stop with the social activism, let's get back to playing football. So let's listen in. Who's going to join us from his radio show? Three, two, one. Here he is. It's 10.51 Eastern Time. Here is Brian Kilmeade joining us this morning. All right, Brian, Big Ten, uh, Big Ten football's coming back. NCAA basketball probably coming back late November. Seems like college sports making a comeback. What do you say? I think it's great. And the president, yeah. players, and, and the parents got together and they saw the ACC and the SEC and said, yeah, we know the risks. We also know some of the finest athletes, most fittest people in the country are playing. And it's not just about the opportunity to go pro. You know, these once-in-a-lifetime uh, opportunities to be with teammates, to go sure, compete. Sure. We love so it, to have fans, but, Stu, Stuart, you guys know about the bottom line. You don't get broadcast rights if you have exactly. no game. 
Exactly. Now, wait a minute. Did you say that the president was instrumental in bringing back the Big Ten? I don't think there's any question. Some of the players reached out to him. The parents reached out to him. And then he called and said, but instead of saying, I want you to play, he said, what do you need? And they feel in the five weeks in which they decided not to play that the testing and the protocols have gone up. They've learned more. and They think they got a system to make it work, if I'm to believe that. But I like the fact that he did it behind closed doors and didn't say this is a bad guy and they better play. But he gave word out to the Pac-12. On the West Coast, they bailed right away. I know they're dealing with fires and they got a lot of challenges with civil unrest. But now the Pac-12 commissioner and the governor said, I'm not standing in their way if they want to play. Interesting. So the president was instrumental. That's good. And what do you need? That's good stuff. Now, the president actually slamming the NFL for having its ratings crater, and ratings have indeed plummeted compared to uh, games last year at the same time. How much has this got to do with politics in sport? What's your opinion on this? Well, I can't even go to the game and talk to the fans as they leave because there's no fans. I will say this. The Braves are great. I mean, they have a high level to go to. They're over 20 million, which is fantastic. Beats the Academy Awards. But if you compare it to last year, uh, you have the giant game on the first game of Monday Night Football is off 18%. Tennis, uh, Tennessee-Denver, really good game, off 28%. 12% Miami-New England and, uh, and the Chargers and Bengals, 12% the ratings are off. The only place that we saw an increase was on Fox, Tampa Bay against New Orleans was up 8%, but you had Tom Brady and Drew Brees playing. It's got to be somewhat of a concern while still saying the football is the the king of all sports. they got to be worried about it, though. It it seemed to me, watching the games over the weekend, it seemed that the, the networks were doing their best to focus entirely on the game and not letting... Uh, activism activism, uh, creep into the game itself. So if you just watched the game, you were not aware of all the protests going on around the outside. I think the networks did... uh, The networks actually shielded the NFL. That's my opinion. No question. I had to read the next day to find out a bunch of Giants kneeled and the Dolphins didn't come out of the locker room. When they played the so-called Black National Anthem, the players didn't come out. What's the point? What's the point of sitting out the black national anthem if 70% of your teams are black and you're playing it for African-Americans and injustice? And, Stuart, I'll just bring this just for my personal anecdotes. I'm used to hate mail, and I I guess, sadly, maybe some people don't like you. I don't know how. But I'm not (laughs) used to people saying, I watch you every day and I listen to you every day, and I've never been so disappointed for you not condemning the protest and the kneeling on the national anthem. I mean, people are outraged that I interviewed Troy Aikman last week and David Wanstatt and others, and I just talked about the game. How could you, how dare you watch? People are still incensed about the disrespect for the flag while not saying we don't need to make gains on racial justice. Well, we have something on this program called Friday Feedback. I'm waiting to see if I get any hate mail there. Do you pick any bad ones? (laughs) Yeah, I do. You do? Yeah, if people are critical of me, I'll put it on the air. If it's reasonable, you know. Right. Is anyone <laughs> critical of Susan when she's there? Do you want to tell never. her she could probably hear you? No. Never. No. She's sitting right next to me. Never. Well, six never. feet apart. No, no, never. <laughs> six feet apart. There's a song. She's very popular. <laughs> it's right. very popular. Let me tell you. So is Lauren. So is Ashley. We're doing right. all right. All right, Brian. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again soon. Thank all right, you, Stuart. Sir. See you in the halls. Make sure you're wearing jeans. All right. Uh, let's go to the phones. one 866 Mike, listen to WNIS in Virginia Beach. Hey, Mike. Good morning, Brian, and I'll try to keep it brief, uh, unlike some of your callers. Uh, t- two issues. 
both political candidates, many of them, do stupid things. Trump in front of the church holding up the Bible, Nancy Pelosi with her trip to Italy that cost us a fortune. I could go on. Uh, and the parties, the Democrat Party has become the party of obstructionism. But if order, if the voters would focus on what we we should, and I'd like this to become the mantra of the Brian Kilmeade show, don't vote for the person, don't vote for the party, vote for the platform. If we were to throw that in the face of the politicians, it would stop their finger pointing and it would start focusing on the issues that we want to hear about. Thank you for your time. I think you're right. The platform, if they stick to it, a lot of them don't even know what's in it and it still created controversy last time. But you're right. It, it, the, too much emphasis on the, on the personality. Too much emphasis on the style, not enough on the substance. If the president was great on substance, uh, he'd be through the roof. Not for Democrats, because a lot of things he does do, uh, cracking down in sanctuary cities, building up a wall, is not something that they want. But he actually fulfills what he says he's going to do. Even the no, you know, the no-fly bet, the the uh, the no-fly zone with certain groups and countries, that was so unpopular. Well, the ones most affected, Muslim population, the um, the South and Central American illegal immigrants, Lat- 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 uh, Latinos in America, they're actually going, coming his direction. They're the ones who are the most tolerant of what he's done. But president gets himself in a lot of trouble by doing something he deserves a lot of credit for, going into hostile territory and taking all comers, where the other guy will not even take a hostile question, will not even take a hostile or challenging question from his own press corps. It's amazing. Remember, go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Listen anywhere at any time at BrianKilmeadeShow.com to get any of my books signed and sent. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's going to be a big hour. We're monitoring all these events that are happening with the fires, with uh, all these acres being burned. We know it's also happening in Oregon, Washington, uh, and all the challenges that are going on there, uh, as well as people trying to recover down in the south. Uh, over in Louisiana, all of our affiliates are being thought of. Five acres are burned over the, in, the, in the northwest. 17,000 firefighters never stop. They keep coming in. National Guard is in the sky. And guess why I know, and I'm reminded, all we have to do is walk outside. 3,000 miles away, we can smell it, and they're feeling it in Europe. That's how bad it is. And I'm really hesitant to say this is just about global warming. Why is it happening in Mexico? Why is it not happening in, in Canada? I'm wondering if there's a combination of events and how much man is in control of it, period. We'll talk about that. Also, we had 860,000 people file for unemployment claims. That's not making the market happy. As uh, the Fed making that uh, that statement yesterday, that we're not going to raise rates for a couple of years, makes people think that there's a darkness staying straight ahead, keeping investors away. So we'll monitor all the breaking news. Well, the president this afternoon... We'll do something pretty cool, for me anyway. Uh, The White House History Conference will take place, and they're going to be doing that at the National Archives. He's going to be going there tonight. He's going to be heading to Wisconsin. Joe Biden probably needs some rest. He campaigned once this week. Uh, We'll talk to Dan Henniger in a matter of minutes about him, law and order, what he discovered, and what Democrats are ignoring. First things first, big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. So as we progressed, we came up with more and more, the doctors came up with more and more answers. They answered all the questions the chancellors and presidents had. The bottom line is we allow our student athletes to get back out on the field and play, and and that's what they love to do. Big news for the Big Ten. Parents, players, and uh, presidents made it happen. College basketball commits to a start date third week in November and at least a 13-game season. And is it time for Pac-12 to do it too? The governor just said, I'm not standing in the way, so do it, guys. Number two. If you're asking me when is it going to be generally available to the American public so we can begin to take advantage of vaccine to get back to our regular life, I think we're probably looking at late second quarter, third quarter, 2021. I think he made a mistake when he said that. It's just incorrect information. I think he got the message maybe confused. Yeah, guys, get it together. COVID confusion, a vaccine imminent, plans in place, politics has no place. How the Harris-Biden team have it all backwards along with bottom-up push for another rescue plan for suffering Americans because Pelosi is getting steamrolled by her own party because she refuses to do anything. Number one. Overall, um, um, we can likely push Vice President Biden in a more progressive uh, direction across policy issues. Yeah, that's great. Just what I thought. Forget the polls. Let's look at the vote. As yet another state commits to mailing every resident ballots unrequested. As both candidates make it clear they have two different approaches to winning. One will outwork you. The other one will hide. Biden, of course. But hey, he's winning, supposedly. But is Joe hiding his agenda, too? As you just heard, AOC, let the lefty truth fly. Joining us now, no lefty, Dan Henniger is a deputy editor of the Wall Street Journal editorial page. His uh, weekly column is Wonderland. He's got a great column this week, as usual, the democratic madness of ignoring law and order in these cities. But, Dan, first things first, how does the president get Joe Biden to reveal that he was pushed to this position by lefty liberals, liberals way to the left, like the squad. Yeah, well, I think the president just has to keep pushing him on that. I mean, it is so obvious. You know, it's such an irony, uh, Brian. Joe Biden ran through those primaries, seems like a hundred years ago, but he ran through those primaries, standing in the middle of the stage, running as a moderate. Uh, in front of all of these Democrats across the United States. He's running against Bernie Sanders, uh, man of the left, socialist, Marxist, Elizabeth Warren, woman of the left. And uh, ultimately, Democratic voters decided they wanted a moderate. Uh, And Joe Biden, as old as he is, ended up as their nominee. Now, fast forward to their political convention, and we've got something like this document, the the, the Biden-Sanders Unity Task Force, in which Joe Biden is quickly adopting the positions of the left. And Bernie Sanders is persuasively saying he could be the most progressive president since Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The bottom reality there, Brian, is that the left is driving the Democratic Party right now. There's no question about it. As Trump keeps suggesting, Bernie Sanders is the real power in the Democratic Party. And Bernie Sanders, you wouldn't think would be working so hard and be so supportive if he didn't have some type of deal. We know how cranky he is as an individual and how bad he was for Hillary Clinton. He went invisible, barely endorsed. Now he's urging all his people to line up. Why? Because they expect to get control of the levers of power in a Biden administration. I don't know whether they would get the Defense Department, maybe not the State Department, 
But they're going to be running, uh, I would guess, justice. They'll get attorney progressives. They'll get attorney general. They'll get the uh, EPA, uh, Housing and Urban Development, uh, HHS, all of these uh, in the Department of Education, all of these uh, bureaucracies uh, and departments that have uh, executive authority, which will then start issuing rulings out into the country to put in place the progressive policies that they have been arguing for uh, very much in public for a long time. I think we're, if Biden becomes president, we're going to see the domestic side of our politics move left very, very fast, especially if they win control of the Senate, Brian. So the focus of your column, uh, the Democratic madness, ignoring law and order in these cities and how un- unnerved American people are. You point to a poll, a Monmouth poll that says 65 percent of respondents say maintaining law and order is a big problem. 28% of those responding were Republican and 41% independent, 31% Democrats. And it doesn't seem like the Democrats are giving anything more than lip service to this issue. Well, they were trying not to, for sure. And indeed, a lot of analysts were trying to uh, minimize the uh, relevance and importance uh, of the law and order issue. The big metric that jumps out in that uh, Monmouth poll, Brian, is not merely the 65% number. But that 60 percent of blacks responded that law and order is a big issue and nearly 65 percent of Hispanics. Um, This is not something the Democrats expected to happen. Uh, So you've got a large number of people in the country becoming concerned. And why shouldn't they become concerned? Uh, More bad news for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the Democrats was that event uh, in Los Angeles where two cops sitting in their car get shot point blank range that's bad enough but then as always the protesters show up and this time they're screaming we hope they die in front of the hospital uh and you know to me brian it's just kind of been of a piece we have all been watching these protests now for over a hundred days and you know the conventional wisdom the mainstream media keeps arguing most of them are peaceful protesters really You know, there's something going on out there between carrying signs and looting stores. We've watched it. And it is how so many of these protesters get right up into the faces of these cops, right, and start screaming obscenities at them and personal insults at great length. The the self-discipline of these cops, I couldn't do it, Brian. I just don't know how they stand there and take it. But What these protesters know is, uh, A, they're not going to be arrested. B, if they are arrested, they're going to be released quickly. And finally, that the prosecutors, progressive prosecutors in many of these cities, won't press charges against them. So, in effect, there's no fear of the cops anymore. That line in the sand has been washed away. And I think the result is that we're seeing this continued violence uh, happening in cities all across America. And that is what is sinking in on the American people right now as a political issue. And Dan, honestly, in terms of pure numbers in voters, the president's getting it. He's getting it from the cops, their families. There's 700,000 roughly police people. There's so many uh, have retired and there's so many related. They're all going to fall in line with one president who's been law and order consistent really since he started running in 2015. Yeah, he has. And uh, I think uh, all of these families deeply appreciate it. And um, the reality is sinking in, I think, across the American electorate that we have a big problem. You know, it's almost 
hilarious. It's almost like something for Saturday Night Live. The spectacle today and yesterday of the Minneapolis City Council, which recently voted <laughs> to defund the police, now begging the cops to come back in their neighborhoods and save them. And are angry, <laughs> wants to know where they are. What more do you need to know, for heaven's sake? Uh, we're waiting for the New York City Council to do the same thing uh, for Brooklyn and the Bronx. But it's a serious issue. And, you know, people, I think, often out in the suburbs will sit there and say, well, it's not our problem. But it's, um, it is everyone's problem if the kinds of shootings that occur and killings every weekend in places like Chicago, New York City, Los Angeles, it is just not an acceptable way to live in the United States. And sitting right out there in the center of it is the reality that the Democrats at their convention spent four days never mentioning any of this. And I don't think it was just because it was politically inconvenient. I think it was a matter of thought out conscious ideology. They want the police to pull back. It's true. Dan, you have to run. But just keep in mind, they're not cops in Minneapolis. They want to hire violence interrupters. And exactly. I don't know. I don't know why that's not working. It seems such a great idea. <laughs> Someday, <laughs> Dan. Thanks so much. Great column. You got everybody talking. Appreciate it. All right, Brian. Hey, uh, bottom of the hour, Congressman Kevin Brady on the chances of you getting more PPP money in your wallets. These states getting some money. They've been devastated, uh, and more of Congress actually doing something for a change than just sitting on their hands in this crisis with an election. Uh, 47 days away. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Back in a moment with you. A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. We can't allow politics to interfere with the vaccine in any way. Americans have had to endure President Trump's incompetence and dishonesty when it comes to testing and personal protective equipment. We can't afford to repeat those fiascos when it comes to a vaccine, when it occurs. The stakes are too high. American families have already suffered and sacrificed too much. So let me be clear. I trust vaccines. I trust scientists, but I don't trust Donald Trump. And at this moment, the American people can't either. Bottom line is, don't vote for him, Joe. But that has nothing to do with the vaccine. There's a process and there's programs and procedures for vaccines, just like you've witnessed the last 47 years. People lobby politicians in the hope of expediting things, but for the most part, these are people that are not in Washington that decide, and a lot of people, it's agonizing, and biotech, they are often complaining, but politics doesn't play a role. Listen to Dr. Scott Atlas to inform people, and why would you know? What it's like to try to get a drug or a vaccine passed. Cut 16. What's happening that people don't understand is there's a data safety monitoring board of outside experts. They are not even in the government. These are experts in the field that are the only ones that are looking at the data. There is absolutely no possibility, zero possibility of anyone in the government, in the White House, anyone else from influencing the clinical trial that's going on. There's an efficient process going on to have at least one safe and efficient vaccine. When it is safe and effective, it will be deemed that by the people who are outsiders looking at the data, and then they will submit it to the FDA for what's called an emergency use authorization. 
That's a process. Did you hear any mention about politics? Then they call the president, and the president tests it with his tongue. And then if he decides it doesn't, it doesn't taste bad, we give it to everybody. Chris, listening in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brian. Um, yeah, so Joe Biden is apparently doing a town hall in Scranton later today, but tickets aren't made available. They're not made available to the public. So who's going to be asking him these questions? Probably his handlers, right? So they say the town hall will feature questions submitted by individuals living in some of the communities hit hardest by the coronavirus. So they're going to have a chance to screen them. Okay. I mean. What a joke. All right. Well, now, I live in Scranton, right? And there are Joe Biden signs literally on every house in Scranton. Really? Like, and I, yeah, and I know about at least eight people that did not vote for Hillary in 2016 that are voting for Joe Biden now. So, I mean, Pennsylvania has the potential to be the Florida of 2000 in this election. Whoever wins Pennsylvania is going to win the White House. So if you're a Trump supporter like I am in Pennsylvania, you got to get out to vote. You got to get people that you know out to vote. I hear you. Uh, There's no doubt about it. He's got to be able to go there and get people excited again. And in certain areas, he always said, there's no way I'm losing Pennsylvania. And even though he never was winning in any of the polls, he won on Election Day. But here's something else to keep in mind in Pennsylvania. Now you got a Democratic governor there. Is he doing the mail-in voting? I don't believe he is, right? Uh, not to my knowledge. I, I don't think he's just, I don't Mailing think ballots. he's just sending them. Yeah. I don't think he's just sending them out. I think you have to request one. I believe so. That's the way I want to do it. And this guy's been terrible for you guys, keeping you shut down. He lost that lawsuit. Hopefully you get your quality yeah. of living back. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And that's a good warning. If you're a Trump supporter, uh, don't think that he's going to win Pennsylvania again unless you bring out people because Joe Biden claims it's his hometown, even though he spent the bulk of his life elsewhere. Dave's in California. Dave. Hey, Brian. Hey, how's it going out there? You around these fires? Uh, The smoke has cleared up here in the Bay Area. Finally, we've been it's been uh, one day. It was just like living in Alaska. It was just black all day how bad it was. But now the smoke's kind of cleared out. It's been kind of nice getting the breeze there. Yeah, it's in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I got I got a couple for you, but um, why, why doesn't Trump sue all the middle states that are going to um, that are going to uh, have these mail-in ballots? I think he is. Okay, but just leave California and New York out of it. Because they're already a lost cause anyway. But I, I can see him doing that. And the other thing I got to say, and I'm but really— no, no, Dave, I got to slow you down there. There's some really important congressional elections in uh, California and New York that the, know that, that but the Republicans I, I'm not, want. I'm talking about just a—I uh, don't know. You guys cost the elections in 2018. I'm sorry to say that. We It was 530 when you guys called the House for the Democrats. And half the country didn't even vote. Really? Haven't even voted. My— my nephews were in L.A., and they were standing in line, and they heard it. They walked away. They said, I'm not standing in this thing. They've already won it. It was terrible. All right, Dave, thanks. Rick in Virginia Beach. Rick. 28 years in the movie defending this country, and I'm waiting for uh, – there's going to be a civil war in the next 10 years. I'm tired of the commies that, that call themselves Democrats. 
Uh, in my lifetime, I have know of five presidents that were investigated for impeachment. Before that, I only know of one, and that was Andrew Jackson. Uh, this country has Johnson. gone to hell in a handbasket. Well, it's not in a good place right now, Rick, but a lot of this is politics, and I don't think that we're looking at a civil war. We disagree. After this election, hopefully we get on the backside of the coronavirus. We get on a roll. We got college basketball, maybe even the NBA and NHL, and things get somewhat back to normal. But thanks for your service. When we come back, I'm going to be joined by Congressman Kevin Brady. Can we get a rescue package going, possibly, in spite of Nancy Pelosi? Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. If there's no follow-up on that, if there isn't additional support, and there isn't a job for the, some of those people who are, are from industries where, where it's going to be very hard to find new work, then you'll, that will start to show up in economic activity. It will also show up in things like uh, evictions and foreclosures and, uh, and, you know, things that will scar and damage the economy. Uh, there you go. And that is Jerome Powell. He runs the Fed, and he's saying they need some more help. Americans need help, not Republicans or Democrat, Americans. And you wonder, are we ready for another rescue package? How much more information do you need? Congressman Kevin Brady, ranking member of the Ways and Means Committee, used to be chairman uh, when they were in the uh, when they're in the majority, but now must be frustrated not being. Congressman, welcome back. Hey, hey Brian, how are you doing? So the rescue package. Yeah. Where are you at? Steady Hoyer says we got to get it done. And he's a Democrat majority leader who doesn't really speak to Nancy Pelosi. And most of Congress is left, right? Yeah, so we're here. But uh, Democrats have changed their tune. You know, after they passed that $3.5 trillion just embarrassment, you know, Nancy Pelosi's re- refused to sit down and actually focus on what we need, which is to help our small businesses survive and get people back to work. But that changed this week. I think she's getting tremendous pressure from her Democrat colleagues who know, look, um, you know, this, this COVID took our economy from the best in 90 years to the worst in 90 years in a couple of weeks. We've battled back. We beat expectations. We've already gained back nearly half the jobs we lost. But we still have, as you know, work to do here, especially among our Main Street uh, businesses in a significant way. So, you know, she announced that uh, she doesn't want to leave till there is a emergency package. She's still stuck on two and a half trillion dollars. So she took a trillion, though. She took a trillion off. Yeah, but, you know, look, we don't need to go on another spending spree. We just need to target those we need to help. That's another round of PPP, especially, as you know, some of these industries, they're not even open yet, you know, in some of these regions. Secondly, we've got a lot of mid-sized businesses who are going to need help keeping people on the payroll. And some of these industries, like airlines and hospitality, they're not going to recover for a while. So just some we don't need to spend trillions. We need to focus on keeping Main Street business alive and getting people back to their jobs. We do that, and this recovery is going to continue in a really strong way. I know you guys, uh, conservatives, hate spending money we don't have, especially when you have to put toner yeah. in to print it. But there just doesn't seem to be a choice. So do you think that, with the, do you think that Democrats have realized that in, it's not going to help them in 46 days in the election. Is that what happened? 
You know, I think they're split. And I say that because, like Nancy Pelosi, I think uh, some have believed sabotaging the recovery is good for them in November. I think everyone understands strong economy is good for the president and for Republicans. But the truth is, these are Americans. As you just said, that's who we should be helping. So some of them are still in that camp. Others, I think, understand, are, are looking at home, right. you know, to their businesses and understanding people who are laid off and saying, look, we we got more work to do here. So here's a, by the way, Congressman Kevin Brady has been a, a lot of help. I've put you with some of my local businesses in yes, New sir. York, and you've taken the time to explain to them, and you actually listen, because it's hard to know what a gym owner goes to. It's hard to know oh. what a restaurant owner goes to, unless you talk to them. You've got to be humble enough to say, tell me what life's like as a dry cleaner when people don't go to work anymore and yeah. need their suits done. Yeah, so, and, and some ahead. of these businesses have had zero revenue for half a year. It is. It's just. It's unbelievable. They're trying to hang on. You know what I mean. They are trying to do the right thing for their workers. But we got to give them a little more help here. I know. I mean, this is what it's for. So Steny Hoyer gave me hope when I read this, and then uh, Eric found the sound by cut nineteen. The sooner, the better. The timeline is. Let's do it now. Let's get it done. And I'm hopeful that when the next five or six or seven days, we can get a deal that we could then put in legislation and pass. And I'm hopeful that we can do all of that, albeit perhaps at uh, lesser levels in shorter time. So I know they don't speak, right? The, the, the Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer don't like each other, correct? Yep. So that I don't know how much pull he has, but how many people are like him? I 25, think, 30? Yeah. So that's what I think, Brian. I say that because, one, um, you know, he's more aligned uh, with, with those who are not so extreme. Uh, secondly, um, none are really minor, but but less extreme. And secondly, you know, about 25 to 30 Democrats signed on to that problem solver plan, which isn't perfect. But bottom line, it says we got to do something. We got to meet in the middle ground. Here's some ideas to do that. So you've got at least 25 Democrats who feel like, you know, we we're, we're not on this pandemic yet and we need some help. And we'll see what happens because there's uh, only a certain amount of time. Now, there's a theory out there that Nancy Pelosi just wants everybody to leave and let leadership cut a deal that you'll have to sign on to. And is that true? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's why she's never she doesn't bring Congress back to work uh, on on any of this. So I, I think she enjoys having everyone out. You know, gives her more power. She has less criticism. People aren't together. So I think, yeah, in fact, uh, late last night I was reading something about, look, you guys don't need to stay. You know, we'll, we'll negotiate out. I, for As Republicans, we're here. We're working. We don't proxy or shadow vote. We show up. And the other thing, too, Brian, uh, you get up so early to prepare and read and yep. get ready for, for both your TV and radio show. It's always amazing. But this morning I, I jumped up. I saw three headlines you can't miss, all, all, all within five minutes. One, income soared and poverty fell to its lowest rate in 70 years last year. Secondly, CDC expects the vaccinations to begin in November and December, something no one said was possible. And third, the Federal Reserve said the economy to improve unemployment falling to five and a half percent by end of, the, of 2021. Again, no one believed that could happen. That's President Trump's leadership that delivered those three headlines this morning. It's really remarkable. That's true. And what's amazing to me 
is that I've never seen this before. So here this historic peace agreement is being done. Oh. And you have the UAE coming in and Bahrain, Bahrain. coming in. It looks like uh, Oman is yeah. going to be next and maybe Sudan and Saudi Arabia eventually. Okay, got it. The, they're saying, well, they were never going to attack Israel anyway. Don't you oh, get it? Right. A Muslim Arab nation saying Israel has a right to exist. Meet my ambassador. I'd love to ex- swap ideas on the economy. And number two is the headline on CNN was they weren't socially distanced at the White House. Yeah. How clueless are they to what matters? I was on the, on a Zoom call with some of our uh, uh, Jewish Americans uh, from Houston uh, yesterday, and their point was all this that President Trump has negotiated is game-changing. And they said, you know, other, uh, quote, peace agreements are agreed to at the top. These agreements reach everyday people in those countries, will be supported you know, in that neighborhood in the Middle East, something that just n- rarely happens. And they were really laying out for me, and they're, they're pretty bipartisan, you know, just how important this agree. It's, it's, it's unprecedented. And, and, Congressman, the thing that people should understand, too, is the, Isra- the American Jewish vote always goes to Democrats because yeah. Harry Truman signed the deal. In the 1950s, 40s, uh, 48, the Balfour Declaration. And they're still paying him back. So I don't understand. You had a Democratic administration that told Benjamin Netanyahu to go jump in a lake, and they actually campaigned for his opponent while telling him, you better get used to the 67 borders again and siding with the Palestinians. And a Secretary of State who said, and it's rolling now, and I retweeted it, we're never going to do a deal with the other Arab nations until you do a deal with the Palestinians. That's just never going to happen. John Kerry. John Kerry is going to get that job back. Israel is going to be marginalized. And these Arab nations are going to be saying, why did we exactly do this? Or they're going to combine with Israel against the Iranian, uh, that evil Iranian yeah. regime. Yeah. What a choice. What, and, and by the way, every expert, again, President Trump, whether, you know, he's, he's unconventional, but he delivers results here in a way that all the so-called experts, and we saw this during impeachment, you know, say could never be done. And, and it is um, – can you imagine putting those people back in place whose words were never good? And that's the difference. The reason this came together is President Trump means what he says. He acts that way. And so they could trust him to reach this type of agreement. That's, that's what world leadership is about. All right, let me tell you something I do hear the Republicans are not happy about, that the President of the United States gave word that he wants more money in this package. And here you are drilling down against Nancy Pelosi, and the President says, I want more money in. And I heard the, he felt some people felt he was compromising you guys. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there is support uh, among Republicans in the House for a $1.5 trillion package, mainly because you don't start with the number. You start with the need. Where's the need? It's that Main Street business. It's as personal unemployment. Yeah, by the way, we need some more money for, for health care, schools, and daycare. That's all related to the economy. That's where our focus – and by the way, I would argue we need to make some changes so we can become medically independent right. from China. But the point being, we think the priorities are significantly smaller than that. Uh, nonetheless, we uh, I think 45 of us met with the in the House Republicans met with the president last night about this and a number of issues. And again, he's he's just trying to drive everyone to the table 
to find something uh, that works. So Nancy Pelosi, according to Chad Pergram, Nancy Pelosi has just said this. When asked, are moderate Democrats pushing you for a more narrow coronavirus bill? She says, they don't say that to me. Yeah, I, 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 I question that. I question that. And I also question something else. So um, last week, as you know, the president, when Congress gridlocked, the president acted on unemployment, on a payroll tax deferral. Uh, uh, last week, I introduced legislation to forgive those payroll. Say that to me. Yeah, I, 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 I question that. I question that. And I also question something else. So um, last week, as you know, the president, when Congress gridlocked, the president acted on unemployment, on a payroll tax deferral. Uh, uh, last week, I introduced legislation to forgive those payroll. Say that to me. Yeah, I, 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 I question that. I question that. And I also question something else. So um, last week, as you know, the president, when Congress gridlocked, the president acted on unemployment, on a payroll tax deferral. Uh, uh, last week, I introduced legislation to forgive those payroll taxes for workers, all workers, from September to the end of the year. It is for a, like a, two teachers in, let's say, the Northeast, making $120,000 together. It would in, in two kids, it would provide them a $2,500 tax cut right now when they need it the most. The president's leading on this. I, uh, I think Democrats have forgiven those payroll taxes twice under President Obama. We're in a pandemic. The president deserves to have that payroll tax holiday because it could help a lot of families, including two-income families that are now just one paycheck. And I think I'm pushing the president to insist that be part of this thing. Let's help the essential workers who've gotten us through this pandemic. Gotcha. And la- lastly, Congressman, what the heck is going on in Austin, Texas? seems like uh, that uh, that uh, city has fallen apart. They have a homeless situation that's run rampant, and they've got crime, which is now in vogue. So you want to see the Biden agenda in real life, look at Austin. Um, look at Portland. Look at some of these. But absolutely, they can't manage their city. The homeless, have, have you been there recently? Did you ever get there? Oh, I did get there. Um, we, I've been there twice, book? yeah. Yeah, I figured. Um, so beautiful city, high tech, lots going uh, on for it. You know, the homeless like San Francisco, it is just from, from the times I was there working, uh, it is just that and the crime is just overtaken so much of a, of a really beautiful uh, area and city. And those are the Biden defund uh, dismantle, dis- destroy type of thinking that uh, they're bringing into this election. So we, we know what it is, and, and folks in Austin are, are really unhappy right now. They know crime's going to get worse uh, already, and they know that homeless problem is going to get worse. All right, so real quick before we let you go, odds of us getting some type of rescue package out? Went from this week, went from zero or near zero, I'd say, to um, – 30 or 40 percent, maybe a little higher. All right, great. Uh, I'll take that. At least show some improvement. You got seven days to make up the other 60 percent. All right, Congressman Kevin Brady, thanks again for all you do, helping out businesses below the wire on your free time, especially in people that don't vote for you uh, in New York. So I appreciate it. Congressman Kevin Brady, great. 1 866 408 7669. I'm going to squeeze in some calls when we get back, so be patient. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Folks, 
speaking of the black vote, that reminds me of a little underdog story. And spoiler alert, it's a long one. All right? The year was 1900 rat-a-tat-tat, okay? And I'm strutting through the rough part of Wilmington, D.E., when suddenly I come... I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.